0: It is not surprising to know that George Pickens has every physical tool you could possibly need to be a star in the NFL and major questions about whether or not he is a professional yet.
1: Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast. We're brought to you today by Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at Broadway Sports Media, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Foster of No Flags Film on YouTube, Patreon, and Twitter. James, how's it going?
2: Staying busy, man. It's, uh, Staying busy. Are we? Are, are we at season. the point?
1: Yeah, I know. I know. A couple of podcasts ago, uh, you mentioned that you had reached take saturation on the draft. Are you like at the dead inside stage just ready for it to be over with or are we Oh no, I mean on? I
2: I love the draft. It's like my favorite NFL event until the Titans ever make a Super Bowl. Um <laughs> there you go. So yeah, no, I mean I I could I could just sit here and like watch film on prospects for for the entire year, but um yeah, it's it's the take thing is more it's it's always funny. I I'm not like a Colin Coward hater or like Skip Bayless or any of that, but like, it's always funny when they get to the draft so late, like this week, they do. Yeah. You start like firing out these hot takes. Like I I was listening to Colin Coward and I think he was talking about Evan Neal and he was like, yeah, I don't, I I don't know. I don't like his footwork. And I'm like, that's just something, that's just something a scout told you. Like there is no way going to his going down to his, like, You know, five million dollar house flipping on the Evan Neal tape, and you know, taking notes on his footwork. Like, yeah, no. With how much he gets paid, he shouldn't be doing that. You know, but I know, and
1: they, and it's funny how they, they regurgit, they regurgitate takes that are like intelligent, and they seem like they feel, they seem like they, they feel clever for having thought of it. But it's something that if you're in the weeds with the draft, like that's a thing that's been around where it's like, oh, you know, the, the Jaguars might be interested in Trayvon Walker because Balky and his record with the Niners, like, yeah, that's been in consideration for like a month. Like you didn't come mm-hmm. up with that four days for the draft, man. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm at the point where I'm ready to be done talking about it and I'm ready to talk about the aftermath of it. You know, like I can't right. wait to watch it and, and break down. I, this draft in particular, I love how nobody knows anything about anything. Um, And there's just so uncertain, so much uncertainty. So I'm expecting fireworks. Our conversation today is with uh, Braden Gall, the owner of 440 Sports. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. It turned into, it kind of turned into a conversation. I didn't expect Jordan Love to be a major uh, topic of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And on paper, that sounds boring. So please don't turn off the podcast now that I've said that. It it genuinely made me think, and and he makes some decent points about it. We talk about a number of different things and, and he he's a guy that is just so easy to talk to and uh, has a lot of great insight, especially from the college level. He he covers college football just as much. He'd probably tell you more than the NFL. So he's he's been familiar with all these guys since they were recruited and and came into these schools as freshmen. So he's got a lot of great insight. Um so yeah, without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Braden Gall. All right, let's welcome in to the hot read our new what, what what can we call you Braden? you're the owner of the uh, 440 sports podcast network which we are now affiliated with you're also a host on ESPN radio 104.5 the zone with Athlon sports and as of today you're joining our Broadway sports media colleague Zach Lyons to co-host your new show a football show every Monday and Thursday live across all platforms so you're you're now a friend of the show because you've been on the show but we're also working relatively closely with you I um, mean we're really excited to be uh to be doing so and we're excited to have you on the show today
0: no i i think of immediately i think of john oliver and business daddy but like that's <laughs> not even close to the relationship we have so yeah um no friend of the pot i think is good friend of the pot okay. is good Um really excited about you guys and what you guys are doing and this product uh the way you guys are doing it it fits perfectly with what we're doing and, and sort of the next evolution of, of broadway as well as 440 so excited to, to to hang out with you guys and excited to hear what you guys are going to be doing moving forward because I think you guys do great work and uh there's a there's a reason we like working with good people so uh keep yeah, it up man. Yeah. keep it up
1: absolutely and uh you know we love at Broadway uh, our partnership with 440 continuing to grow and and I think both both entities are uh trending in the right direction so uh we appreciate everybody that tunes in and follows uh both of these these groups and and our work together today we just want to talk all things Titans and the NFL draft it's draft week. And um, you know, the draft has kind of been tackled from every possible angle at this point. So we want your particular angle, Braden. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. The the first thing that came to mind today, when I sat down to plan this show, I was scrolling through my social feed and I saw conflicting reports this morning. Um, one, and and I, I believe this was from Tom Pellicero, but I'll correct myself later. If I'm wrong, I'll fact check that talking about how the the interest in trading up this year in the draft might be a little bit duller than usual just because of the lack of high-end quarterback talent, the the perceived lack of talent maybe in this draft in total, the, the lack of blue-chip talent at the very top, um, maybe it's the perceived depth of this draft, whatever it may be. It seems like in Vegas this week, and it's still early, but it seems like the vibe is there may not be a lot of suitors looking to trade up with teams like the Titans who might be looking to trade down. But then I see a report um, and I'll have to go and in, in check who this is from as well. It, talking about how the quarterbacks are expected to slide maybe even further in the first round than some would expect. I, I'm hearing talk this morning of. The, the Steelers at pick number 20 being the first team that's seriously being considered as a potential landing spot for a quarterback. So those two things didn't really vibe with me because quarterback is obviously, obviously the position that, that teams would probably most likely want to trade up maybe back into the first round for, especially if there's a whole bevy of them available there in the back half. So my question to you if you were the Titans, would you trade back? Is that something that you consider your primary or maybe one of your primary objectives? If you're the GM for them, that is. And and do you think there's going to be much trade up interest in this draft?
0: So a um, lot of, a lot of questions there. I think the first and very, you know, quickest answer to your question is yes. In a perfect world, the Titans move back to pick a number, right? Like 39, 43, whatever. And they get, you know, Sam Howell and then another second round pick to draft an offensive lineman, let's say hypothetically. Right. And, and ideally what you're saying is, and I think I, I tend to agree in general with the exception of maybe the defensive lineman and some of the top corners, like I think the top 10 or 12 or 15 picks are of equal value to previous drafts. But I do agree that in general, like you look at the running back class, you look at the tight end class, you look at the safety class, you look like there's a lot of these groups of players just wouldn't stack up with with other years. So if everybody across the board is devaluing certain positions in particular, then yes, you're going to have sort of a race to the bottom for lack of a better phrase. You move back and if you don't see a lot of difference between 50, 40, 25, 70, and they all feel like they're about the same in terms of quality, then sure, why wouldn't you want to trade back and get as many picks as possible? I, I will I will try to give you a fresh perspective that I hope you haven't heard before. And that is, I think, that we have to take Thursday night in particular and sort of like we cannot evaluate wins and losses in a while watching the draft. You have to consume the draft like a television product, it is a hmm. TV product that you are you, that we all want to enjoy. So I'm not suggesting we should like assassinate someone's character with a bong mask, but I think, <laughs> but I think we should enjoy what we see and appreciate it for what it is without attaching wins and losses to it in the future if that makes sense so to to your eight teams don't have a first round pick that's never been seen before I agree with you I talked to somebody on Sunday that told me that there's a chance that one quarterback is taken in the first round wow Um, that'd be shocking I also will throw out another name Jordan Love would be graded out higher than every other quarterback in this draft he's younger than Kenny Pickett and if you're on the clock at let's say 20 or the Steelers or anybody else, and you want a quarterback, why would you not call green Bay? Yep. I I think we could see a lot of drama and a lot of entertainment on Thursday night that doesn't involve like projecting super bowl championships. And I think you have to separate. It takes years to evaluate whether or not a pick is a good pick or not, or I guess in some cases a year, Um, not to, not to go back to Isaiah Wilson, but, but, Again, what were Titans fans saying about Christian Fulton all of last year? Like that was, yeah, that was a waste of a bit. Like no, he's a he's a potential All Pro. So like it just takes time. I think Dylan Radens. You can't judge Dylan Radens until you get until you see him a year or two. Nate Davis took three quarters of a season before he even was a good a good player. So I just I think we like to rush microwave our takes as fast as possible. And I think you have to step back and just enjoy the drama for what it is. Player acquisition in the NFL is fun. It's interesting. It is. It's dynamic, and I think we're going to see a whole lot of crazy stuff. I just don't think it's the traditional stuff we're talking about when you have this many teams with multiple picks and this many quarterbacks that nobody knows what they're going to evaluate. I just think it's going to be a lot of fun on Thursday night. We've all been waiting for it. And yes, if I'm a Titans fan, I want to see them move back. And if that means drafting a receiver in an offensive lineman or you know their quarterback that they've evaluated, whether that's Desmond Ritter, which we know they're tied to, or Again, my guy would be Sam Howell. Then take Sam Howell and and an offensive lineman that you don't think is really that much different than the guy you're going to get at 26. I think that's an ideal situation for the Titans.
2: Uh, What do you think the trade value for Jordan Love is uh, for a team that had a first-round grade on him back in 20? 19 whenever he was picked um, just after everything that's kind of transpired with with his career and the Packers seemingly not having a lot of confidence in him. Do you think that a a team that had him valued as a first rounder back then would still give up like a second rounder for him? I I mean, I, first of all, I mean, I guess, I guess
0: yes is the answer. If you had a high grade on him, I'm not sure what you've learned because he hasn't, he's only played a game and that game wasn't great, but like, again, how can you use a game to evaluate a quarterback Um, I think again, if if he was 26, I I think we'd look at this differently, but he's, again, he's younger than some of the guys you could draft in this class. And if you, if you think you have to trust your evaluation, right? This is the same thing with John Robinson and the Titans. Like if if John Robinson thinks that Matt Corral is the guy to evolve this offense for the next 15 years, then who cares where you draft him, go get him, but you have to trust your evaluation process on this. And some guys kind of like this quarterback class. Most do not. Is that all lies? Because <laughs> it's must lie season. We're going to find out on Thursday. If six guys go in the first round, then everybody's been lying this whole time. If one guy goes Malik Willis to Pittsburgh at 20, for example, then we know everyone's just out on this collection of players. In that case, you need to trust your evaluation. Jordan Love from a raw physical tool standpoint, size, athletic ability, arm strength, you know, how young he is. And the fact that he is, I don't know about you guys, but the fact that he has worked in a professional offensive scheme for two years behind one of the greatest that's ever done it, to me, that's mm. a huge positive to Matt Corral, who's run a pretty simple offense at, under Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. I, I mean, I would I would take the guy who's been a professional you know, in the workplace for two years, who also has more physical tools, more physical ability. I mean, he's basically a one-inch taller version of Malik Willis with – who played in a better system under Matt Wells before his coaching staff changed prior to his last season in college. I know I'm going back there a ways, but he, he, he had some decision-making questions, but if you tell me he's worked in a pro system, like again, let's say Arthur Smith, let's say, let's go back and rewind. And this is a Titans team that has Jordan love. He hasn't played a game. He's sitting behind Ryan Tannehill and Arthur Smith has coached him for two years. Would you rather have that guy or a guy coming out of Pittsburgh? Right. Like It's a no brainer for me. I would rather take the guy who's worked in a professional setting, especially if you think he's got more pure ability, which we know he does when it comes to Pickett or corral or, you know, Ritter or a lot of maybe Malik Willis has more ability, but I I would. And if you're the Packers, I I don't think I'm settling for a second round pick, honestly, like depending on how you value him. If you think Rogers is going to play for three years then maybe you got to settle for a second-round pick. But if you think you, there's a chance he could start for you next season or the year after, I, I mean, again, if you're the Steelers at 20, why would you not – like, you're using a draft pick to get a quarterback. Get the best quarterback. Like, it, I don't think it's, that, it's more complicated than that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that would keep a team like Pittsburgh from doing that is the fact that Jordan Love already – has two years of his rookie contract up, which is kind of like mm, to me, yeah, when point. I think when I think about the Titans drafting a quarterback, the thought never crosses my mind, like, oh, Sam Howell is gonna be an upgrade to Ryan Tannehill, um, or Malik Willis is gonna be an upgrade to Ryan Tannehill. Daniel Jeremiah put it really good. It's it's what's better, Ryan Tannehill or Sam Howell and the four other guys that you get to pay <laughs> right. a quarterback on a cost-controlled yeah. contract. Yep. So I, you know, when I'm sitting there on like a mock draft sim and I'm thinking about picking a quarterback, I just think about, you know, re-signing Imani Hooker, extending A.J. Brown, extending Jeffrey Simmons. And I'm like, I could get behind Sam Howell for four years, just roll the dice. Um, But yeah, man, it'll, it'll be interesting. I like the the whole the whole uh reclamation project quarterback, like that, you know, got drafted like Josh Rosen, Um that whole kind of thing, like the trade value for them is really interesting. Cause a lot of times is there's just like no film on them. And so everybody's just kind of stuck on their say, this guy in particular. There's just so little to go off of. Yeah. Right. And it, and it's the, the little that you
1: have is not, I mean, against it's, it's him playing on short notice on the road in one of the hardest places to play in the league against a really good team. Like it was a no win situation for him. And it it is really, it's curious that the, the, the Jordan love talk this off season with all of the quarterback discussion and reshuffling and like it's been really quiet. And I think that's a really interesting point. I had, I hadn't even really considered him as a chess piece in this whole draft week uh, situation, but he, he definitely could be. And it wouldn't be that shocking now that you've mentioned it.
0: Well, and it's one of two things, right? Either the Packers really like him, so they're right. not even fielding calls on him at all, or everyone hates him. <laughs> like right, the, right. Like those are the only two kind of options. I mean, or, or at least nobody knows, I guess maybe to your point, nobody knows. Like if you're telling me, I, I, I going back to the contract point, I think it's a great point. But what I think is interesting about that is that is the calculus you're doing, like how plus these other extensions. I, But it's also like, it only matters if he's kind of the guy that you're willing to pay 200 million for at the end of that contract, because he's probably not good enough to be better than Ryan Tannehill to win you a Super Bowl, but also not good enough to extend, right? Like if that makes sense. So it's more about you still have, he still has to be good enough to win you more games, like wins over Ryan, right? War, there has to be be wins over Ryan. And, (laughs) So if he's not, if he doesn't have a better win loss record than Ryan, Tan, th- this is why I like Sam Howell in particular, because he's a little further down the board, but I think he's got the best arm in the entire and draft. This is that, the
1: Sam, this is the Sam Howell podcast right here. We were talking well, about I'm, before you came on that, that James, despite his best efforts, and it looks like you're in the same boat. Well, I'm, I, I'm I, I have been James Howell y'all's guy, even uh, though you both <laughs> don't want that title. So congratulations. Brady doll, well, James Foster. Huge Sam Howell fans. Well,
0: un- unfortunately, I have been podcasting about Sam Howell uh, for three and a half years. Like, I, I have a w- a well known obsession with Samuel Lito when he was a freshman at North Carolina. And <laughs> okay. it's it's like a thing that that that's that's been going on with me. And again, he lost all kinds of talent, all kinds of support. Sure. I do have a question about for his final season, His why he took a step back. I have a question about his system. I actually talked to his offensive coordinator, who by the way was AJ Brown's offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. I talked to his offensive coordinator during the pandemic, and I I had an hour long conversation with Phil Longo about how you develop a quarterback after his great his first great season. And I said, "What what is it your guy What is it you guys are doing?" And he's like, "Well, we didn't run him at all his first year, so we're going to run him a lot more because he's a much better athlete." You saw that his second season with the huge numbers. They kind of backed off that his third year, but th- that system at at Ole Miss was very much down the field, take shots, one kind of like a Drew Locke, Missouri, Josh Heupel system. Where it's kind of one read and go, it got a little bit more complicated at North Carolina. Um, and I just I just think the like he's got I hate the word moxie, but like he just had like Corral's got that too. He just has this thing where he's on the field, and as long as he can kind of hone it in and keep his feet on the ground and and sort of mess with his footwork a little bit to sort of stay in in quote unquote in rhythm. I think the arm is good enough to make every throw you'd ever possibly want. But He's the guy who evolves the Titans offense, in my opinion, like Desmond Ritter's a nice player, but I don't think he changes the Titans offense. I think he comes in and is just a younger, cheaper version of Ryan Tannehill. I, I think Matt, Matt Corral has the arm to change the offense, but Sam Howe, I think has the arm to actually run different routes, actually call different plays and sort of push the offense into the future. If that's not what John Robinson thinks, that's not what John Robinson thinks, and and you know we're just a bunch of guys on a podcast at this point, so yeah, we're not making the decision here. But I I will not hide my appreciation of Sam Howell for the better part of five years since he was a senior in high school when he flipped from Florida State to North Carolina, basically on national signing day.
2: The just uh just to add to that point that you were making about the Phil Longo offense and everything, uh, since two thousand eighteen the quarterbacks that have played in an offense that ran the highest percentage of RPOs in college. The two highest percentages are Matt Corral and Sam Howell of every quarterback (laughs) drafted since 2018, 27.8% of uh, the, of Ole Miss's plays that they ran were RPOs for Sam Howell. It's 23.6. So yeah, there's a lot of, it's like, uh, the way that I explained it is that it's just, after watching eight games or however many it was of both Matt Corral and Sam Howell, I have v- almost no added knowledge about their ability to operate an NFL offense, like from that film watching experience. Yep. Because The projection is still just a guess. Level reads on their, yeah. uh, on their tape. And so it's like, I imagine a successful Sam Howell um, tenure in, in Tennessee at least early in his career being like, a lot of, you know, schemed up type of plays, you know, you talk about being able to run different routes. I mean, I think that he throws to the sideline better than Ryan Tannehill does. That was probably the most impressive thing about Sam Howell's tape. I do worry though about shorter quarterbacks uh, throwing the middle of the field, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, they all struggle with it. Um, And so I expect Corral and Howell to, to have some issues with that as well
0: if those two guys were six, three and this, but so I guess this is, it's funny you bring up Russell Wilson. Cause it's like the old Drew Brees thing. Like if he, if they were six, three, they'd be the top five picks in the draft. And it's yeah, like, well, they're not also, it didn't matter. <laughs> True. <laughs> it, yeah. It, yeah. It, does, it doesn't matter at all. With Drew Brees. Now what you then have to ask yourself is Matt Corral and Sam Howell hall of fame quarterbacks in the NFL. And that is just, that's a bridge too far. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's too much risk involved. So again, this is why I like how, because in the second round, and since the rookie wage scale was put in place with the collective bargaining agreement in 2011, like taking a quarterback and, and him not hitting, it doesn't cost you as much. It doesn't set your franchise back. Like, what's the worst case scenario if they have him on their roster for a year and it doesn't look like he's the guy? Well, you restructure Tannehill's contract and he comes back and you try again. Like, it's not there's, there's not a whole lot of like major risk involved to taking a quarterback. Um, if you're trading up in the draft, you're giving up other positions and you're giving up other, you know, depth pieces and you're spending a high first round pick, then it, it costs you a little bit more. But even then, that's it, it's I mean, so that's, different. that's
1: what San Francisco just did. Right. And and you would yes. think probably when they did it, you'd think, oh, this better work or they're screwed. But here we are. And if they rolled out Jimmy Garoppolo to start this season, would you think like they're toast? He just took him to the NFC championship game. And yeah, they lost that draft capital and they didn't get to draft anybody in this year's draft, but like they're not screwed as a franchise. They're not set back years and years and years. If it turns out that that guy they went up to get didn't work out.
0: They're actually, a, I would argue they are the NFC's Tennessee Titans, like like with, G, with Jimmy Garoppolo, like they have a ceiling, but they are one of the toughest teams you're ever going to play. Hmm. Like great defense, just a Awesome rushing attack. Now Shanahan's is very different, but like it's an awesome rushing attack. I I just, I, I could sit, I would rather watch Kyle Shanahan design a rushing attack than like most things on Netflix. Like I just think his, <laughs> his offense is so fun to watch, but basically built the same way, right? Like identity, physicality, defense, line of scrimmage, run the football and Garoppolo is a cap. He creates a cap for that team that they cannot get over because Garoppolo. Now I don't, I think Tannehill way better. So I'm not trying to, you know, let's, let's, clear our throats here before people start tweeting at us. But I, I, the question is, and this is where we have to, you have to pre- pre- preach, patience on this stuff. If Trey Lance ends up playing for 10 years and is a starting quarterback, this is the Aaron Rodgers thing. Like Brett Favre kept coming back and everyone's like, Oh, this Aaron Rodgers decision was terrible. It was garbage. It was terrible. Why'd they do this? Well, finally they let him go after three years and it turns out eh, probably a good decision to have Aaron Rodgers. So if Trey Lance starts for 10 years for the Niners, then it was a great decision to trade up and get him. And Garoppolo kind of was the, he passed the baton. So this is the same kind of deal with, with either Jordan love or the Titans. If they were to draft somebody to clearly sit behind Tannehill this year, it's all about what the long term like we want to, again, we want to microwave all of our takes right now. And we have to have it now, now, now. And it's just not the way player human development works. Like you have to, spend time with people and grow them and develop them and then see if it works out or not. And, you know, should we have seen Isaiah Wilson's maturity problems? Probably so, but everybody else, like, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give a player a year, two years before we find out about somebody, you know, and John Robinson famously will cut bait when it's time. Like he, he, he got rid of Kevin Dodd real fast. (laughs) Like that was right. He didn't even, he didn't wait at all for that. He, he, he will, and he will, admit his mistakes and move on pretty quickly, which is not a lot of football people. So,
1: well, it's funny that you mentioned Georgia players with perceived behavioral issues, because uh, it came (laughs) out today in a report that another Georgia player that uh, a lot of Tennessee Titans fans, what I've been really kind of referring to is like Titans mock draft culture. The Titans mock draft ecosystem has been awfully fond of this guy, (laughs) George Pickens, and he's been moving up draft boards, but then there was a report today, I believe, out of ESPN. You can correct me if I'm wrong. That was uh, interviewing a, a number of anonymous wide receiver coaches and scouts around the league, and the consensus was the athletic upside and the physical ability is really high. But I wouldn't touch him. What do, What are your thoughts on on that report that came out today?
0: Uh, not surprised. Um, this is a five star kid coming out of high school, big time prospect. Um, and I think the, the 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 questions about maturity were kind of have kind of always been there. Um, you know, even even just back to the playoff this year, where he and JT Daniels kind of showed up on their own private jet, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, um, down down to Miami to play the the Orange Bowl. I, I think I, I think the reports are pretty like to me. That's exactly what I would say. Also, let's throw in a torn ACL too, just because. Like again, that's not a death sentence at all. It, it, there's lots of players that come back from that pretty easily. But I you. you there it is. Let's just put it this. It's not surprising at all. If you cover college football in the SEC, it is not surprising to know that George Pickens has every physical tool you could possibly need to be a star in the NFL and major questions about whether or not he is a professional yet. I think that is, that is, that's exactly what everybody has kind of thought about George Pickens.
1: If he was for, a star, a if he was a star student, do you think that, um I mean, I, I say that colloquially, not literally right, in his right, academics, right. but if he was a just the the perfect team guy off the field where do you where do you think do you think he would be like the third wide receiver in this draft class like how much do you think that's impacting where he falls because he's been slotted right there like early second round you know fifth sixth seventh guy on the board you think that's purely a I wouldn't touch him because of his off the field stuff I
0: mean, where would you put a 6'3", 200-pound, 4'4", 5-star recruit who's played at the highest level against the best competition and won championships? Where does that guy normally rank in draft draft rankings?
1: Pretty high, yeah.
0: Normally pretty high. Like, I would still take Jamison Williams. I would still probably take – I mean, I don't know. The the Ohio State guys, to me, are fascinating. They're both really, really solid, good players. I do not think they are number one overall – elite type talents the guy who's number one elite overall is the guy who's still at ohio state <laughs> jackson mm-hmm. smith and jigba is the best receiver would be the best receiver in this class in my opinion he's only a sophomore at ohio state so i i and they will both by the way both wilson and alave will tell you that too um wow i i i would put him yeah i would put him probably two or three with jameson williams and in, in that top 15 overall in the terms of the draft because Again, what's not to like about the physical attributes? Like, there's nothing not to like about the guy. Great body control, great on deep routes, great in the open space, quick feet, that short space agility, great against press coverage. Like, there's nothing he can't do. Um, again, this is why I love Traylon Burke so much, is because he is I'm with you there. He is George Pickens. But with all of the uh, dog in him, <laughs> but
1: but <laughs> like, hunts down a wild game yes. with knives. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Like he just is a dog, dude. Like he's gonna go. He's AJ Brown. He literally is AJ Brown. Like so physically, you're
1: on the AJ Brown uh, comp train there. He's he's hundred.
0: Like he's the same exact player, same exact player. Like it, it, like he's probably. And what did he test at? I think he ran like a four or five or something like that. Like don't care. Don't even care. Put on the Alabama tape and watch him run away from defensive backs.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a point I've been making. It's just like you look at his forty time, but then you watch the tape, and I I defy you to find me the times where he was chased down from behind,
0: or or, or physically who's who pushed him around. Yeah. No, yeah, nobody's ever pushed him around. Like if if you are a Packer shareholder, like someone on this podcast might be, at twenty two in the draft, and Trey Burks is sitting there, and you have no Devonte Adams and <laughs> no Marquez Valdez Scandling, right, and nobody else. It would be stupid not to take Traylon Burks at twenty two. Hypothetically, on paper, you, it would be. However, if, if you were Packers, the team. Green
1: Bay Packers, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, he's he's my he's my favorite pick that that the Titans theoretically could have there at twenty six. I'm with you that I don't necessarily think that he will be, which is a shame. But um, I think it's a testament to
2: the player that he is. James, you I, got
1: anything else for us?
2: Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm just kind of uh, I'm just kind of letting the uh, Traylon Burks praise just. Uh, just, just. i'm just letting i'm just letting y'all have it and i'll <laughs> okay. i'll sit this one out well i, I, don't, I, just, fine. I don't i'll I don't take think, the on burst i just don't think he's the Sam guy Howell, from the route running perspective um but as far as the titans i mean yeah that's fine value at 26 i think i have him as like an early second so that's barely a reach if if it is well, and small. i wouldn't
0: i agree with you i wouldn't take him like if i'm the titans i wouldn't take him i yeah, i
2: don't i just, I just I, like the the way that he the way that he cuts it's just it's too slow like it's not quick enough to really separate um effectively against nfl corners i agree like his limited reps against press coverage i think like he absolutely has uh the release and the skill set to be to develop into like an ex-receiver but i think early on he's a big slot um Who's going to need a creative offensive designer to scheme up uh, production for him? Todd Downing, baby. Come on. Uh, Yeah, uh, no. And that's Tim (laughs) Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. There you go. Tim Kelly. That's my thing early. Like when I first started watching all these players and I started seeing people talk about trailing Burks, I'm like, all right, to to everybody that's like all fired up about Traylon Burks, like this, this is probably the guy who is going to need help from his offensive coordinator the most like his rookie year and so like think about that and your opinions of todd downing before uh (laughs) (laughs) but you know you could have a have a different take and think that no i
0: i actually i tend to agree i think that burst and quickness is overrated to some degree if you are sort of a holistic player like devontae adams and New hopkins come to mind as guys that are not necessarily burners. They don't, they're not quick twitch. They're not going to run past or around or through, but like, they're just dogs. Like they're just dudes that go up and get the ball. They know how to manipulate you with their feet. More importantly, I agree that Todd, that, that Todd Downing is, is the question mark with that. I just don't think wide receiver is the biggest need. Like that's, that's my oh, issue. Yeah, no, I, that's, I, that's, what that's my you issue think with is? the Titans. That, you have to protect Ryan Tannehill. Right, like you, yeah, you, you, yeah, you yeah, you've got, you need a starting offensive lineman. That is also a dog. Like, give, give me a guy that especially I don't know who can play multiple positions, played against SEC defensive lines and maybe likes to play in that that zone outside zone rushing scheme. Like, I don't know. There's a guy for AM mm. that would fit perfectly. Um, uh, Zion Johnson, of course, is also another one that everyone's going to talk about that uh, get a starter that can play 17 games for you and and continue to allow Derrick Henry to do what he does and protect Ryan Tannehill. You can find a wide receiver in the second or third or fourth round, you know, what? like to me, wide receiver is not the thing. It's, it's, it's just not for the Titans. You have two star wide receivers. If Robert Woods is healthy, like you have two stars at wide receiver I, tight end, there's no chance you should draft anybody ahead of maybe the third or fourth round. I really like Charlie Kohler and Jake Ferguson out of Iowa state and Wisconsin. I like those two guys a lot. I think they would fit, but they're fifth round picks. So you get those guys later or whoever that John Robinson is targeted. You get those guys later, you know, generally your top interior offensive lineman is still on the board in the late first round or one of the top two. So you get value at a position of need and then you can come back and fill your needs later. So I just, to me, it's, I, I like Kenyon Green the most, uh, him and Zion Johnson. If they get one of those two guys, Titans Twitter is going to act like an adolescent teenage boy, but like whatever, it probably makes your team That'd better. That'd be abnormal and strange. <laughs> it's, listen, Titans Twitter is growing up but they're growing up into middle school right now. They're going to mm. grow up into high school and college in a couple of years, but a lot like, of
1: growing pains there. They, they
0: are, they're, they're going through some hormonal changes right now on Twitter. <laughs> um, and it, and they, they need to learn that like, no not everybody's out to get them. And like, you know, everything's fine. It's going to be okay. The team's pretty damn good and good smart football. People like your team and AJ Brown's not getting traded and blah, 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 But uh, offensive linemen's is not sexy, you know, but Somebody at Dallas kept them from drafting. I think it was Travis. I think they drafted Travis Frederick instead of Johnny Manziel. And I'm like, yes, that's that's a professional move right there. And that's the kind of thing that the Titans need to do at 26.
1: Braden, tell us about your new show with our buddy, Zach.
0: So Zach Lyons, myself, uh, it is creatively titled, as creative as we can be, a football show. Right. It'll so what's be, it about? It's, a, it's, it's about um, AHL hockey. Oh, it's about, awesome. It's, a, it's about the Milwaukee Admirals. It's sweet. All, I can't wait. All we're going yeah. to talk about. Um, no, so it'll be Titans, SEC, gambling, recruiting, fantasy, the draft. Um, if a big NFL topic is kind of means, matters to Middle Tennessee and to Tennessee Titans fans, and of course, we're going to talk about it. But it is all football all the time, Mondays and Thursdays, 1 p.m. live stream across all your platforms, YouTube, um, Twitter, of course, and then it'll be podcasted on the feed. So, uh, again, everywhere you get your podcasts, everywhere you get your your live streams, Zach Lyons and myself, we're going to be in the same studio together, talking to hey, each now. other like normal human beings, so we'll wow. see how that works. And do you,
2: do you follow a college football team?
0: Uh, do I follow? You mean like, like as a is fan? It that you're a fan of? Yeah. I'm a Tennessee alumni, but I am 39 years old who's covered college football for 18 years, so I am dead inside.
2: Well, yeah. the reason <laughs> the reason I said is like, I it just came to my mind, you were talking about how you're going to talk recruiting. I think uh, something that you and zach could do maybe like a weekly segment is um complain and dox and um get a mob going towards a recruit that picks a school other than tennessee and just like have everybody start yelling at him on wow. twitter that like, seems like a productive i'm an incredibly toxic yeah. uh podcast that just uh <laughs> <laughs> that just like talks crap on student athletes <laughs> that's it's so terrible <laughs> that's so, so, bad. so go I, the reason that came to my mind is because I follow this Twitter account called like uh, College Message Boards, and it posts <laughs> it posts like screenshots from like it'll be like Texas A and M's twenty four seven. Are you talking
0: message board genius?
2: Yeah, message board. Oh Geniuses. yeah, it's yeah. Like, we did an inter- we did I did actually
0: actually interviewed him for like for, for uh, Lamestream really? Lame Sports podcast. Go check out Lamestream Sports. He came yeah. on. He stayed anonymous. He would not tell us who he is because he didn't want anybody to know who he is.
1: Did you warble his voice and but, do a silhouette on the?
0: No, screen? no. But he would not. Okay. It was just a black screen that said Pete. Like it, we we, would, okay. we wouldn't right. wouldn't he wouldn't even go on video with us um, because he's a, he's actually a Utah State graduate and fan, and he does spend entirely too much time on message boards. But it is so. You're right. It's so funny. The problem is, is that we wouldn't be able to do it like ironically.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I
0: don't know if we could do it without sounding yeah, and looking it was, like
2: it wasn't a serious suggestion. No, I
0: know. <laughs> well, no, no. Now my
1: wheels are cranking. I want to be like, could we do this satirically? Zach would be on board. Right. Are you telling me Zach wouldn't be on board? He would be on board.
0: Yeah, but I, I think he would take it too seriously. No, he would. I'm just saying he'd be down. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's all we, I'm saying.
0: We've got to figure out how to do it satirically and not like insulting teenagers. If we could figure okay. that out, then I think actually it would be quite funny. And we could. We, but again, that would require me to be funny. That is not my strong suit. Uh, just ask my wife.
1: I am, okay, all I'm right. informative,
0: so some, not not funny. There you go. So, all
1: right. So some beta testing on that, Brayden, We've taken enough of your time. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. We will have you on sure. many more times. We look forward to it. And again, we we uh, really appreciate and are looking forward to being a part of the 440 Podcast Network. We're glad you have brought us on, and we're excited about what's to come, man.
0: No, you guys are you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Can't wait to see what the future holds for all the things you guys are doing. Um, it's a great show, and and we appreciate uh, partnering up with you guys and uh, yeah, let's let's go get it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for listening today. Before you go, just so that you know what our schedule for the rest of this week is, we will have our final mailbag episode, draft mailbag number three this week. I don't know if it'll be on Tuesday or Wednesday. One, one of the two. Well, actually, no, this is coming out on Tuesday. Just kidding. So Wednesday, tomorrow, when you're listening to this, um, it will be mailbag day. So we're going to send out, James and I, our mailbag all-call tweets at some point uh, on Tuesday, we will request all of your questions. You, of course, as we've told you many times, can go and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave your uh, question as a f- in the form of a review there, and it will be prioritized and answered first, guaranteed to be answered. That's the best way to get your question on our docket for that episode. So, yeah, leave us your questions. We'll talk all things draft. Any last-minute questions you have about the Titans and their draft? Coming up this Thursday, um, we're we're going to have some more announcements in terms of draft um, content later this week. I'm not ready. Let's not let them in quite yet as to what the plan is for the draft. We have some plans for Thursday and Friday that we're really excited about. We're working on as we speak. So that should be exciting. Stay tuned with the Broadway crew and all of us over there. We've got some some great things cooking up there follow us on twitter at easton freeze at no flags film at the hot read pod on twitter and then follow no flags film my buddy james here on youtube and subscribe to his patreon for james foster i'm easton freeze we will talk to you tomorrow